from the Rams studio connected by AT&T. Welcome to Between the Horns. It is December 13th, about 11 a.m. Pacific time here in Los Angeles. And the Rams are now 9-4. They fell to the Philadelphia Eagles 43-35. A final score that sort of annoys me because it really uh, should yeah. have been 37-35, DeMarco. But the Rams are still in first place in the NFC West by a game. And this is one of the biggest games that the Rams have had over the last decade, really, now going up to Seattle. So, mm-hmm. um, But before we really get going, I, I do want to take a second to uh, mention, because we were not on the air last week due to the wildfires, that you sincerely hope that you and yours are all safe, um, that your family is all right, um, because I know that this is some serious stuff going on here yeah. in Southern California. It's, it's really it's touching a lot of lives right yeah. now. So, yeah, a lot of things have been affected. I mean, football is just a game. That's, it is. That's real. That, that is real, and that's obviously... Um, more important than what we're doing right now. But um, this game that happened on on Sunday, you know, between mm-hmm. the Rams and Eagles, I think Jared Goff put it really well post-game when he said, these two teams feel very even, and if we played 10 times, you might come out 50-50. Yeah, a lot of respect on both sides yeah. post-game. I mean, I, I bet there was a lot pre-game, but uh, evenly matched. I mean, Philadelphia was as good as advertised, and yes. the Rams I definitely showed some heart coming back and getting back in that football game and taking the lead, having a chance to win. And, you know, look, championship heart. Uh, we talked about it. Best, ke- best team on game day. Uh, he who makes the fewest mistakes will win that game. So, you know, Chris Long getting the ball out in that key situation, just stripping Jared Goff. I mean, you have to tip your cap there. Um, if if that doesn't happen, I'm convinced the Rams probably go down the field and score. Um, there was a lot of heart, a lot of intestinal fortitude, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, being shown in that game. Andrew Whitworth coming back from injury. Rob Havenstein going down, getting back up. Alec Ogletree gave you everything he had in that football game. I mean, there was a lot to be proud of. So one team has to win, one team had to lose. Um Going up the tunnel after the game, you couldn't tell who won or lost. Right. It was just that punishing on both sides. Well, it was a physical game, and I think it was because it was so even. You, I don't, and, and because Seattle lost, it's almost mm-hmm. like you don't feel as bad as you would have, you know, yeah. losing that game because it was so close and because you know that. If a couple different things happen, like people say this all the time, like a game is often decided by a couple plays and it can turn and da-da-da-da-da. And it is, yeah. Yeah, I I think this is one game in particular where you can point to a couple of spots and you can say, yeah, this game really could have gone either way. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I think we said uh, on the the pregame show, uh, last possession will probably win this football game, and it came down to that. Now you had one second on the clock to get it done. I mean, after that... um, after that fair catch, but yeah. you know it is what it is. But it, you know it was a tough matchup. Um, I, I thought the Rams did a great job defensively with their depth. I mean they lost a lot of people it's along true. the way. I mean you had to play backup corners, you had to play a backup middle linebacker, you had to constantly rotate people uh, through your front seven. And for the most part, I mean once you saw all their plays, you got most of them sewed up, mm-hmm. and you made it a tough football game for them. Uh, you knocked Carson Wentz out of the game. No one wants to see a guy done for the year, but I mean, this was a guy that was torturing you, and you finally had a uh, got a shot on him to get him out of the football game. So that's the way it goes. I mean, they're going to be coming after Jared Goff in Seattle. Uh, They want to see if they can get to the backup. This is December football. Uh, This is not for the faint at heart. No, it's not. And that was really the unfortunate thing. Mm -hmm. You have to see seeing Carson Wentz go down the way he went down. Now he is obviously out for the season um, with that ACL injury. And when he goes down, though, and you and the Eagles start the the fourth quarter with Nick Foles at quarterback, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting there in the press box, and I'm feeling like, okay, the Rams have a good shot at winning this game, especially yeah. because your backup quarterback is in. And the, his first couple of passes, I mean, they were they were a little off target, and you have to expect that. I mean, there's there's an offense. There's 10 guys out there that are in the flow and one guy that's just trying to get warmed up. So some of his passes were a little bit off. You might have had some chances for takeaways there on defense. It yes. didn't happen. And then... Once he got into a rhythm, it was a big third down. He hit it, and that pretty much sealed it for you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it was a, a, a whale of a football game. Um, but this is what good teams do. This is what good teams can do. You can take an L to another good football team and say, oh, by the way, the silver lining is Seattle lost. We still have a chance for first place. We right. still have a chance to accomplish everything we want to accomplish next week. Only good teams can say that. So, yeah, it's a tough loss, but 
you can move on from it a little bit faster when you have nine wins mid mid December. I think that's a really good point because the Rams have set themselves up so well mm-hmm. to play football beyond the end of the regular season. It's not like losing that game to the Eagles was the end of the world. Right. For some teams, it would have been right. Yeah, yeah. You could have your playoff dreams could have ended right there in the Coliseum. No, you have another shot because of what you've done early. Right, and yeah. and that's very important. Um, but there were a number of kind of critical errors, and you sort of alluded mm. to one of them. Uh, definitely the the golf strip sack. Oof. You know that's that's critical, and to yeah. me that was kind of the, the the biggest difference, especially because of the game situation. But then you also had penalties that were killer, particularly earlier in the game. You get a couple of defensive pass interference fouls that allow Philadelphia to move down the field and get into scoring position, and those are the kinds of things that good teams will always take advantage of. Absolutely. Uh, There was one play I can can remember, and I can't get it out of my head, where Carson Wentz was on fire, he was being efficient, and he let one go that was, I call a mistake pitch, like in baseball. Uh, Mistake pitch? Mistake pitch. Mistake Mistake pitch. pitch, uh, Where where it's off target, it's offline, and the defense has a chance to make a play on it. I believe it was uh, Roby Coleman that has a shot at picking off the pass. Uh, On a diving play? On a diving play. Now, I mean, it's an impossible ask to make that play, but those are the plays you need to come up with against teams like that. Right. You've got to get those takeaways, but... You know, those PIs and those defensive penalties, they're untimely. They give the offense a chance to regroup. You're tired. I, there's nothing worse than when you think, as a defender, on third down, when you're getting after it as tough, as hard as you can, and you think you're off the field, and then all of a sudden you're back on and it's first down again. Right. It's hard to regroup physically. You're out of breath. And mentally, you're frustrated. But you have to play the next play. And offensive coordinators and good offensive teams will take advantage of that. And I think we saw that versus Philadelphia. For sure. I mean, Philadelphia had 29 first downs, mm-hmm. six of which came via Los Angeles Rams penalty. Yeah, that that really. I mean, like, take those six away and you probably don't have to play 85 snaps. Right. Yeah, that one penalty probably cost you, let's say, uh, another five plays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you played two games in one game because of your penalties. Yeah, exactly. And when you're on the field for that long and and Philadelphia held the ball for nearly 40 minutes Mm -hmm. to the Rams about 20, that's definitely going to affect you. I mean, we've seen that kind of thing time and time again with the Rams in the past where defense is on the field for so long, it's almost inevitable that the unit is going to lose a little bit as the game gets to its final stages. And that's why I was so impressed. That's why I was encouraged by what I saw. Not about the outcome, the result of the game. Of course, you want the W, but when you watch a defense that's been on the field that long, defending that sort of offense, and when it's crunch time, the last five minutes looks like the first five minutes, athletically, those are guys going to get it. Those are guys that are prideful, that want this victory. So there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot to be happy uh, with. Uh, even with the guys, some of the guys that gave up big plays, you're right there. Yeah. You know, John Johnson comes to mind. I mean, he's beaten for a touchdown, but he's right there in coverage. Um, the only thing you can tell him as a coach is, uh, look, move on. Uh, they're going to make plays too. Mm-hmm. He gets paid just like you do. But you're in the right position. They didn't fool you at all. Just get ready to go on the next play. So uh, it, it's easy to get down in yourself in those situations. But remember, man, you're fighting for a playoff spot. This is where you want to be. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes Philadelphia so good because mm-hmm. they have basically elite level talent, I think, at almost every position. And that's even that's including tight end, even when Zach Ertz is not in Ooh, there. You yeah. saw Brent Selleck, you saw Trey Burton do some really impressive things. I mean, yeah. That's what you're talking about with um, um, John Johnson. Yeah. He's in position. And against maybe some lesser teams, you make that play. But Philadelphia is where it is in the in the NFC right now for a reason. Or a lesser quarterback that's off target. Right, you have yeah, a chance to make exactly. a play. Uh, look, Carson Wentz, I think, uh, without the injury, uh, was probably, I mean, the, the guy you have to face in Seattle is going to say something about the MVP race. But from what I saw and what I saw going into that game last Sunday, it would be Carson Wentz's MVP. Yeah. He has been playing lights-out ball. He has been. Yeah. And that was why I, I thought it was interesting that the Rams started the game with a mm-hmm. takeaway. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that pick from Kayvon Webster, and Nickel Roby Coleman was playing really good coverage on that, yeah. on that third down and five. And it's a shame that Kayvon Webster is now out 
for the rest of the season yeah. with that with that uh, ruptured Achilles because I really thought that he played well throughout the year. I thought he was a perfect complement to Tremaine Johnson yes. and, and perfect for what Wade Phillips wants to do defensively. Right. Uh, so without him, you're going to lose some oomph against the run and some length against the pass. Uh, but there are guys on this roster that can fill in, and they've done it before. Like who? Well, Troy, Troy Hill's going to have to come up and play big. That's number one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nikel Roby Coleman, like you said, has been playing great football, but this is what I mean. You're going to lose some oomph on the run. Mm-hmm. If he's got to be out there outside the numbers covering receivers, I feel comfortable with that. But at some point, they're going to run the ball at him, which is going to be a game plan. So you're going to lose some oomph there. So Kayvon Webster, is, is we don't talk much about his tackling and his run-stopping ability. I, I feel like you and I we do. might, I, but yeah. yes, I don't think it's talked about enough yeah, because it, it is something that has been a difference maker, I think, throughout the year. Absolutely, and it seemed like it was a competition between Tremaine Johnson and him and, and Kayvon Webster. When those receivers do trail off and go block safeties or linebackers and they expect those corners or want those corners to come up and make plays, well, those guys are as big as linebackers. Right. Those guys are as big as safeties, and running backs have a tough time getting around them or getting through them, so... Now that's going to be a little bit different when you don't have that outside the numbers. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be a, a pretty big difference maker. And we'll get to some more of the injury updates um, a little bit later mm-hmm. in the show. But I do want to go back to another thing that we sort of brought up to the 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 um, Trumaine Johnson unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Yeah. I don't know where you were on the field, but you right on the sideline. Okay, yeah, yeah. But you have a better view of these things than I do and a yep. better vantage point of these things than I do since I'm in the press box and you're down on the sideline doing your job. So what did you see on that? Well, okay, this is funny. It's it's a long way to get to where we're going, but I went back and I watched the Seattle-Jacksonville game, right? Uh-huh. I, all you heard about was the melee, the guy trying to go into the stands, yes. Michael Bennett. That's all you saw. Uh, but if you go back and watch that game from start to finish, it was chippy from start to finish. Right, there was a yeah. lot of carryover that led up to that moment. So Uh, When you have situations like that, and you have situations like the Cincinnati Steelers game where it was a hit fest and a flag fest, guys were getting ejected and suspended, Mm -hmm. you know that it's going to be an overreaction by the referees the next week. So it's getting chippy versus Philadelphia, especially when the Rams were on the field versus their offense because they were out there a long time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pushing and shoving. There was a lot of talking going on. There was a lot of warnings by the referees. Mm -hmm. Play the game, play the game, play the game. So... I think Tremaine said something or did something after the second warning. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it didn't warrant a flag, but they said, hey, calm it down, talk to your own players, go back to your sidelines, go back to your huddles. When they give you a direct order like that, you must follow. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, that, that's when you start losing control as a referee and the game turns into a melee. So I think Tremaine Johnson just got caught up in that overreaction by the officials. Yeah, We need to maintain control no matter what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's what happened there. And that's pretty unfortunate. I mean, because it was a situation where you could have gotten off the field, yeah. and then that gives them a first down and it allows them to go score a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, look, what they usually do in that situation is one guy will go tell the head coaches, you need to go talk to this guy, that guy, and that guy. Right. Calm him down. Mm-hmm. Give the coach a chance to calm his player down before you start throwing flags and giving away first downs because now you're affecting the game. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so I, I think there could have been better ways to handle what Tremaine did mm-hmm. than dropping a flag at that moment. Because you changed the game, in my opinion. I, I yeah, think so, too. Absolutely. You and definitely changed that drive. No question. Yes. You might have changed the complexion of Carson Wentz's season, as Prob- a matter of fact. Probably. Yeah. That Probably. Because you wanted to be the referee show? Well, I don't know if it's the referee show, but like, like you said, it's, it's an overreaction. I mean, the last thing you want now in the National Football League is melees on Sunday. Of course. Yeah, right. What happened in Jacksonville. Uh, you can't have that. So right. there's right, right, there's right, going right. to be an overreaction as of right now. So you have to know that as an offense and a defensive player. Uh, what is the mood? What is the, the, the temper of the NFL at this moment? And just know, if I have something to say to you as a player and I get warned by the official, listen to that official mm-hmm. because he's got the ultimate deal. He's got the flag. Well, I, I think especially considering the way Seattle-Jacksonville ended, that's mm-hmm. going to be something that you have to emphasize if you are the L.A. Rams coaching staff this week, right? Yeah, I mean, just just given the fact that Seattle was involved in what they were involved in, 
Like, you're going to have officials, I believe, that are going to want to really maintain control of the game early and often. Oh, yeah, and you can control that yourself. Just police your own guys. Right. You know, if you have guys that are getting into it with the other team, pull your guy away. Yeah. Uh, don't pull him away and stand in front and shout at the guy he shouted at. <laughs> yes. Pull your guy away, get him back to the huddle. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I, I think McVeigh even mentioned, you know, we can't be ourselves we have to be able to control things that we can control and what you can't control is your your own actions in those kinds of situations absolutely and just and just know i mean you i I love guys that are in your face i love cornerbacks that aren't afraid to get beat i just love aggressive corners but you got the victory you're out on third down right leave it alone yeah yeah let him go stew on the bench Mm -hmm. if you've got something to say wait until the next series Mm -hmm. you know Save it for the next series is what I would that's what I would have said right then and there. Yeah. yeah. Save it for the next series. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the offense too, because there were obviously um, defensive penalties that extended drives, but I think one play that might get a little overlooked that kind of turned things for the Rams in the first half was that holding penalty called on John Sullivan. It was either yeah. the second or third offensive possession that the Rams had. And Todd Gurley starts it off with a 20-plus yard run, mm-hmm. but it's called back because of offensive holding. And those are the kinds of plays that can really change the game because the, the way Todd Gurley was running I thought was outstanding, mm-hmm. first off. Second off, when you have that holding penalty, it now puts you behind the chains. Yeah. And instead of, you know, being nearly at midfield, you're even further back into your own territory. And because of that, the offense just stalls. That's part of the reason why you only got 45 plays is because instead of moving down the field, you're all the way backed up in your own territory. Oh, no doubt. I mean, those 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 penalties like that hold. And, you know, watching it from my angle on the field, it looked like he was a million miles away from Todd Gurley. I had a chance to watch it on video. He did get a hand on him. So if Sully doesn't grab him and just kind of slow him down a little bit, he probably makes the play or mm-hmm. makes the play tougher. So you definitely don't get the long run. I mean, maybe Todd breaks the tackle, stiff arms a guy, who knows? It's always possible. He's got Todd that Gurley. same sort of ability. He but, does, especially in that game. Right, but that, that guy that's playing defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles is there for a reason, and he can probably make those plays. Yeah. Yeah, he's in that gap to begin with. So it's a tough ask of your center to try to get him out of there and run the ball behind it. So um, a lot of those plays that are like that get called for holding. Mm. Uh, anytime that defender is flailing an arm and he just can't get there because he's being pulled back, well, it's up to the umpire to make that play legal. Right. Yeah, because at that point, it probably isn't. So I get mm. it. But um, I don't know how to say that you can avoid a penalty on that play. Uh, but holding calls do short circuit and put you behind the chains a yes. lot in football. Yeah. And that's and that's one of these things that the offense has just got to avoid going yeah. up to Seattle. and. It's something that they kind of avoided in the first matchup, but not as well as they could have, particularly in that second half. Oh, no doubt. Let me say one more thing about that hold. If if they can run that play on you when you're lined up in that gap and they're running towards you, and that center that's a man removed can block you on that play, then you don't deserve to be a starter Right. as a nose tackle. You just can't. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you have to play and and call it like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can run that sort of play and that center can hook you from there, then you need to be on the bench. Mm. Yeah, because any nose tackle should be able to at least cut that play off. I think that, you know, obviously the Eagles are a good enough team that they have done that. They've mm-hmm. shown that they can do that and, they, you know, the, the Rams <laughs> took a bit foul in order, I guess, to yeah. make that play work. It's a, it's a tough ask for any center. I mean, I've seen guys do it. Um, Pro Bowl centers have made those blocks legal. Uh, mm-hmm. Cut those guys off. I mean, that's why they're getting paid big bucks, and that's why they're going to the Pro Bowl. But that was a tough ask against a good run defense. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny though to me just the fact that you know the Eagles entered that game as the number one rushing defense, mm-hmm. and Todd Gurley still got 96 yards on only 13 carries. He was running extremely well in that game. Well, it doesn't like part of the being the the best run defense in the National Football League also depends on your offense. Now, when you've got Carson I, Wentz so for the boys scoring 35 points a game, yes. you're going to abandon the run on the other side just yes. to keep up. So, yes. you know, you're, you're facing half the rush attempts as everybody else, and you make stops. Well, it makes you the number one rush defense. Exactly, and yeah. that was one of the things that I really did think was interesting mm-hmm. going into that game that we didn't really get a chance to talk about last week. The Eagles, part of the reason why the Eagles were the number one rushing defense is because they had the least number of rushing attempts against them. Oh, yeah. So that's that definitely goes into it. And I think 
it almost seemed as if Todd Gurley took it as a personal challenge mm-hmm. to just make sure that he dominated that front as much as he possibly could. I mean, think about the 30-yard oh, run yeah. that he had at the beginning of the game and then the, also that two-yard touchdown mm-hmm. that he had. I mean, he looked like a man possessed going into that end zone, splitting those two defenders. Well, when you see the way that we talked about this pregame, when you see the way the Eagles line up and play defense, they're daring you to run. Yeah, what they're saying with the is, wide nine technique. Yes, I mean, we're, we're saying that our DBs, our safeties, in particular are better tacklers than your runner is uh, than your running back is a better runner. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'll, I'll take that bet with Todd Gurley. I will too. I'm um, even against a guy like Rodney McLeod, who we respect, yes. and Malcolm Jenkins. Absolutely. I think I'd take that bet versus Todd Gurley. If he, even if you get him on the first two carries, let's see how you do on 10 and 12 right. with the same plays. I bet you he's going to make you miss more times than not, and yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, Todd Gurley is a guy that I, I, I think we keep talking about, and he's somebody that has clearly had a ton of production mm-hmm. in, in this season. And now one of the talking points that has come up with the L.A. Rams is, okay, is Todd Gurley, I don't want to say being misused, but like, can you get even more out yeah. of Todd Gurley? And I guess so. I'll, I'll start this part of Between the Horns by asking you, do you think there is even more left for Todd Absolutely. Gurley? If the game dictates it, so be it. Yeah. Now, I remember... God, September, October, we were using him too much. Sure. And now it's we're not using him enough. It's, yeah. You can't win as a coach or a play caller. But this is when I go back to takeaways. Even on that takeaway, that, that drive, that got to have it with the lead drive. If you don't get the takeaway, if Chris Long doesn't make that play, I bet he gets five or six carries on that drive. I agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, Or at least five or six more touches. Yeah. So it's not like they're not calling his number. Mm. They are. It was His usage was about right. It's just the takeaway short-circuited everything. It, do, it, yeah. it did. And I think when you look at just his usage in general, so Gurley has the second most touches in the league, 287. He's so got the second most yards from scrimmage, 1637. Third most rushing yards, uh, 1,035. It's only 10 from Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt, who, who's, who's second in the league. And you've also got somebody who, I, I don't know, he, he's become a dynamic pass receiver as well. And you see him getting all these touches in, this, in these games. You know, he's got 10 games with over 100 yards from scrimmage. Right. And so it's sort of, and the Rams are scoring, you know, over 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. So it's almost hard to complain about, um, the way the play calling is. doesn't seem like it's so hard. Well, I hear a lot of complaining. <laughs> right. But when... I'm just kidding. No, but I, I think it's interesting because yeah. when Todd Gurley has 13 rushes for 96 <clears throat> yards, and part of this, I, McVay has said, part of that is because the Rams only had 45 plays. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right that part of it is also because the Rams had that giveaway mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. You still kind of look at it and you kind of go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There's something more that can be had here. Well, it's, it's, I mean, what I've read and what I've heard is the magic number is, what is it, 20? 20 plus, you win? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's not just turn around and hand it to them 20 times and you win the game magically. Ex- yes. You have to set yes. things up. Right. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're going for balance as an offense because what balance does is it keeps the defense off balance. Well, not only is it balance, but it's also, and McVay has addressed this, it's about being aggressive in ways that will help you move the football down the field. Yeah. So you're always going to try to take the best approach to moving the football down the field, whether that's running it or passing it, whatever you feel is best in that situation. And remember, it's it's a chess game out there because when you are balanced and you keep the defense off balance and then you start getting tells or they start getting fatigued, then you can start slamming the ball at them if they can't stop the run that day with Todd Gurley. Or if they're weak in pass coverage, you might call six straight passes in a row. But we what saw you, that against New Orleans. Exactly. But what you want to do to at least get that going is attack with balance. I don't yeah. know what you're running, where you're running. It could be a screen. It could be this. It could be that. Yeah. So I'm all over, you know what, trying to cover you. And then eventually as the game wears on, I'll start to tell you what I'm in by my body language or mm-hmm. fatigue or I've seen all your plays. And then you start to attack weaknesses. That's how football is played. Right. I think the the perfect example of that that I think we mm-hmm. saw this year was week seven against the Arizona Cardinals where the Rams were able to sort of get out to that lead. They got takeaways. They extended the lead. And then in the fourth quarter, yeah. you see them just start bludgeoning the Cardinals yeah. with the run. And then it finishes 
with that, I think, 18-yard pass, screen pass to Cooper Cup for a touchdown that seals the game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I just if you watch and see what Jacksonville did, when they the minute they figured out Bobby Wagner wasn't Bobby Wagner today, mm-hmm. they just kept running the ball. Yeah. Okay, go back to Arizona when the Rams were down there, when they figured out that Al- Alec Ogletree was having difficulty in yep. there. They just started running the football. Yeah. So. The only way you're going to know is to remain balanced, stay on the field, and then start to figure out, oh, he can't cover today. Oh, they can't stop it over here. Then you start to, let's pick Todd up. Let's Mm -hmm. pick Cooper Cup over here. Now we can just start playing man-on-man football. He can't cover Sammy Watkins. How do we know that? Because we remain balanced, and we know this. Our information tells us we can make plays over here. It's interesting. And when McVay says we didn't get the plays, Mm -hmm. part of that, you know, and he would even say this, I think, is, all right, it's not. It's kind of an excuse. It's it's a reason why yeah. things happen. Um, but you know you don't extend drives with third down conversions. I think the Rams only had two yeah. throughout the entire game. So that that's part of it too. But if you only get forty five plays, you can't really do what you're talking no. about, right? Which is get balanced, stay balanced, and you're not and that figure yeah. out what the defense is doing to try to stop you from accomplishing your goals. Yeah, you're a big play offense in the system. You're just not a drop back and flip the field because you have Randy Moss. Yeah. That's not who you are. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to need plays to move down the field. Right. Uh, so And when, set things up and set for things those up. longer plays. Right, and when takeaways happen, it robs you of that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the third down. Um, third down has been a little concerning as of late. Yeah, but it has been. Season-wide, or season totals, you're okay. You're in the top 10, I believe, 40%. Yes. Yeah. Uh, third down conversions, but as of late, it's been a little concerning. To me, that goes back to protection and who you're playing. And who's not on the field, too. True. Robert Woods has not been there, and I think that makes a difference. Even if he is there with some of the heat that's been getting to Jared Goff as of late. Now, remember, who you're playing Uh, and the guys that are coming after you. I mean, it's, it's going up. Fletcher Cox is a load. On anybody, yeah, uh, absolutely anybody, yeah. and just look. If you can map out the third downs for the last three games, look at the defenses they played mm-hmm. and the guys that are coming after you. So that's that's been the difference. Robert Woods would help, but I think it's been more of a protection issue, yeah, pressure issue on Jared Goff. That's force your third and longs to be third and hurry up to get yeah. it out. Yeah, and 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 that's going to be um, definitely something to monitor. Uh, this week as the Rams play the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to sort of get to what McVay said about those Todd Gurley carries sure, in, in our segment called Reading, where I read Sean McVay quotes. Um, but he, he did say that, you know, you, McVay said on Monday that, you know, he started the second half yeah. wanting to get Todd Gurley going. And I think it was Rich Hammond from uh, Southern California News Group that was like, uh, he tweeted during the game, um, Sean McVay unlocked the girly feature at halftime. Unlocked the girly feature. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, you came out, you ran it with Todd Gurley, you ran it with Todd yeah. Gurley, you had a screen to Todd, and then eventually you, you score a touchdown. And so McVay, McVay said, I'm um, basically about, generally about the run game. He said, anytime we're running the football like that, I've got to do a better job of making sure that he, Todd Gurley, gets enough touches to get into the flow, especially when we're getting some good movement. But it is a delicate balance, and then I think everything is a little bit more magnified, and he's talking about because you didn't get more than 45 plays. So at the end of the day, however you want to cut it, I've got to get him going, give him more opportunities with the way he was running it, and have a better feel for the flow of the game. That was something that I didn't think I did very well yesterday. So that's part of what he said, and then... He kept, you know, there were more questions about it. And he said, you can't keep standing up here and saying the same things. You've just got to get it fixed. That's something I have to be mindful of. And so this is the thing. This is the thing that we've continually heard from Sean McVay the entire season, right? Like he's putting the blame on himself Mm -hmm. and everything. But I think that that was sort of the most emphatic he's been in in the last couple of weeks about Todd Gurley, the touches, and, and that entire issue of the, the run game and keeping oh, yeah. it established. Welcome to December. Welcome to everything you do is going to be questioned. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is a learning experience for him, too. It is. The first time head coach, first time in December, first time with nine wins, um, when you have to answer monotonous questions. I'll say, see Bill Belichick. <laughs> really? I hope John McVay. No, no, no. I'm just, Bill Belichick, I'm just saying, see questions. Bill Belichick. I mean, he had to answer questions about a loss to Miami. Yeah. You see the way he responded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's no fun. Everything's really? magnified. Everybody's <laughs> looking for a story. It is what it is. This Give is December break. football. So uh, the one thing is you can't let it affect you, your play calling, or your, your team. Just answer and move on. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, you look, everyone And knows. I don't think it will. Right. What do you mean? I don't think it will affect the way he is calling players or whatnot. I hope not. Because yeah. as, as he was saying, like, we're always going to try to be aggressive and mm-hmm. we're always going to try to be the best that we can be in terms of figuring out the way that we can move the ball down the field in right. the most efficient way possible. And so, like, in that game against the Eagles, the Rams, just before two minutes left in the second quarter, had a, a, a run-pass balance, I think, of 17 pass plays to six runs, mm-hmm. which is a little bit off considering how, like, Todd Gurley, what I think, the finished score? the first. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were coming back from, you know, being down 21-7. So that's definitely part of it. Right. Um, but, again, I just think... It's interesting that, you know, we're talking about a team that's scoring 30 and a half points per game that put up 35 points. Yeah. And it's still this talking point of, wait, there seems like there's more out there, you know? Well, you've been to football parties before, right? Thanksgiving, what have you, you know. Yeah, and I don't really like going to football parties anymore. Well, sitting around with people that like to second-guess coaching. I love this, right? They only call it out when they say that's not the play they would have run. Okay, yeah. If the right. play they're thinking in their head that let, the Rams should do this right now and they run that exact play and it gets stuffed, you never hear from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You never hear from that right, guy. Right. Only when it's success or like ultimate failure. Yeah. They should have did this or that's the play I would have called. Yeah. So, hey, look, it's the flow of the football game. Uh, every game, every snap is its own little world, own little, own little universe. You sound like Greg Williams. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I know, I know I, you're it's right. It's one snap you're and right. clear. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a short, really, it's like six seconds long. But it seems like it's it's an eternity. It does. And whatever happens on that play determines what happens next. So either right. play calling or how you play it. So right. you have to stay within the flow of the game. You do. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing. It's that, easy to extrapolate numbers at the end and say, aha. Yes, yeah. of course. And that's one thing that, you know, nobody ever is in that pressure situation where you're on the headset, you're calling plays. Right. Like, it, it's much, much easier for me in the press box yeah. sitting there typing on my laptop to be like, hmm, why are they not running tight? Well, and don't get me wrong. I'm not going after anybody, but the, the head coach and the players know something that no one else knows, the condition of his own guys. Yes, Yeah, I want to do this. Well, we can't do that right now, coach. Right. Okay, well, well, we'll have to call this until we're ready. Well, see, but that's something that McVeigh said he also has to do better, right. talking about uh, the strip sack that Chris Long had mm-hmm. and Rodney McLeod recovered, and which, sidebar, it was kind of funny. I, I asked Todd Gurley about that after the game, and he was like, yeah, I don't really remember what happened on that play, but it was kind of like a Rams family reunion out there because oh, you had Chris Long, Long McLeod. Rodney yeah. McLeod, and Nick Foles, <laughs> yeah, <playing> yeah. quarterback, <laughs> on the other side. So that yeah. was sort of interesting. Um, but... McVeigh even said, you know, I have to be more situationally aware as a play caller yeah. when calling play action deep ball with a right tackle that had been playing left tackle earlier in the game, and it's a second play in there, you know, coming in oh, for an injured guy. God, he's so smart. It is, because that's, I mean, he's telling you, he's giving you the exact right answer, but it's actually a coaching point. Like, who should really know that? What do you mean? Everything McVeigh just said, who should really know that, be aware of that? The players? The quarterback. Oh. Yeah. It's deep ball. I got a backup right tackle. Get rid of the ball. There's a former second pick in the draft over there at left end. We're dropping back to seven. You might want to start climbing the pocket. Mm. Just saying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the coaching point. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you can take it on yourself if you want. But the guy who's out there in the helmet should know the same things you know. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. No, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's one, I mean, it's probably one reason why Jared Goff uh, said in his post-game press conference, it, he was told that McVeigh said the situationally mm-hmm. aware thing, and, and Jared goes, yeah, he told me the same thing, but he really shouldn't do that. You know, once the play comes in, it's my responsibility to make sure that we execute it. And, oh, yeah. That, that's what he is as the quarterback. Oh, God. Oh, man. Miles, I can remember, like, being coached to, like, try to anchor down on a double team. Okay. You know what anchor down on the double team means? It means that you're just basically hunkering down and you're trying to keep those guys in the same spot from blowing Take it by on, you. drop my hip to the ground, yeah. and, and not give ground right. on a double team. Yeah. That's what I've been coached to do. What's in front of me is an 800-pound double team. Oh, God. There's no way in the world I can do what you want me to do in this situation. Now, it's up to me as a football player 
to get the job done. Figure out a way to figure do out it. a way to get it done, yeah. or just know what's in front of you. Yeah, yeah. So it, it can't be all the coach has to tell you everything about situational football. At some point, it's on you as the player. Well, I think that's that's like life, right? Yeah. And yeah. some point, you got to be able to take on things yourself. Yeah. And know what things are, and just have some common sense. And yeah. say, like bleep it, I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. You know? I mean, look, <laughs> uh, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Russell Wilson, two of the best. At, at finding ways to stay alive in the pocket. Yeah. Right? Uh, that, that situational awareness of who's rushing versus who's blocking and what play do we have on and right. what might happen in this situation. Mm-hmm. That's all stuff that needs to go on on the field, mm-hmm. not just from one guy on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, one more thing about Todd Gurley, the the hurdle that he had in that game, I, th- I thought was one of his best hurdles. Maybe only second to the one he had against Washington earlier this year where he hurdled the guy then like got into the end zone somehow which that that play was yeah. really incredible. Well, but the the yeah. hurdle he had in this game which I think came like two plays before um, that strip sack. Like he clean hurdles the guy and keeps running. It was like Jenkins was nothing. It was uh, that to me just shows so much about his athleticism. Yeah, I mean uh, of the backs that I've seen and maybe some guys in the AFC that we don't talk about every single day but the two most exciting running backs I've seen this year up close, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara. I, I knew you were going to say Kamara. Just, because, yeah. wow. Yeah. Just the stuff they're doing physically is unbelievable. It is. So if I'm on their team, either the Saints or the Rams, the last thing I want to do as a receiver, a tackle, a quarterback, anybody, is make a mistake so that I'm taking this guy off the field. Mm. This guy is a home run a second. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's an eyelash away on almost every single play. Yeah. All you're trying to do is set him up for another run. So... When he's playing like that, stay on the field. Eventually, he's going to get you in the box. Exactly. And that's something that I think we've just seen all year. It's nice to see the Rams run their offense through Todd Gurley. Again, mentioned this a little bit earlier, but he has reached 1,000 yards rushing mm-hmm. now for the second time in his career. And I think that is still a pretty good that, – that's a really good accomplishment for any running back, especially in today's NFL, which can be kind of pass-happy. True. I mean, look, 1,000 yards – isn't what it used to be, but it's True. still effective. Yeah. When you have one guy rush the football for a thousand yards, uh, I, I would say your offense is doing pretty well. Yeah, even probably. if you stink, even if you're a, a bad offense even with if a you're a seven and nine team with a with a losing record. If you have a thousand yard back, you're at least competitive every single Sunday. Right. Yeah. Well, this back is uh, competitive. More than that. that is yeah. Nine and four. Uh, so let's kind of reset for a second. Um, talk about a couple of injuries. Um, True, uh, excuse me, True Johnson is not in the concussion protocol as was announced, which is definitely good news. So that is uh, probably really positive for him to potentially play on Sunday. And he would most likely be covering Doug Baldwin most of the game. I mean, that's that's their number one guy. Uh, But he had a stinger that he suffered on that hit. Uh, I think it was to uh, Trey Burton on that big third down that Nick Foles made as good of a pass as I think he's made. Can I amend? He'll be covering Baldwin if he's outside the numbers. Okay. If he's in the slot, it's going to be somebody else. It's probably going to be um, Robbie yeah. Coleman. Yeah, Robbie I would, I would bet. a really good job. Right. Um, Whitworth, Havenstein, they have knee injuries, but they're expected to play, according to McVeigh. Um, the Rams practice schedule for today, Wednesday, is actually not a practice anymore. They did this kind of last week because of the fires and the fires that were going on in Ventura County. The air quality wasn't as good, so they practiced inside at, at Kalu. Um, but... Instead, they kind of like that schedule. Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, you're getting late in the year. Guys have, as you like to call them, ouchies or boo-boos. So they're letting those guys kind of heal up a right. little bit. And um, so that's going to be good to, I don't know, you're going to play a physical game against Seattle. Yeah. You know, you so write every day for a living, right? I do. Can you imagine taking a typing class every day at 8.30 in the morning? No. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> December football. Yeah. You know, for some guys, okay, it's like typing class for you. Yeah, I know this stuff already. I, yeah. know, I know what like they're... Like an Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah what I got you, you need right now is to get off your feet and just go recover. Yeah. Yeah, the mental stuff you've already got. You haven't made a mistake in six weeks. You're fine. Mm-hmm. And we're not putting anything new for you. Mm-hmm. You're good. Yeah. Rest. So yeah. I, I love these sort of days for good football teams. Yeah. And the other thing that, that I think is going to be really key this week is that both Robert Woods and Connor Barwin are expected to play. Mm-hmm. So Robert Woods obviously was the Rams' most productive receiver before he went down um, at the end of that Minnesota game. And I think having him back, particularly for this game, and especially with Seattle secondary the way it is right now, that's going to be huge for Jared Goff. It's going to stretch you thin defensively because now 
the other wild card is active and he's up. So uh, with two good receivers, yeah, two good receivers, um, you probably have two good corners. Every team does. Well, yeah. now let's add that third. And not, not only do you have to have a third corner, but you have to have a good, a great one mm-hmm. because the other two are still moving around and they're still having. Uh, They've, they've had good games without Robert Woods, so it just expands the offense a little bit more. And I would bet that probably be because of him and the threat of him, your screen game gets off again. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to start to run guys off. It's no longer, well, I can just kind of keep one eye in the backfield and one guy on my man. With Robert Woods, you better be focused on him, which yeah. means he's going to run you right out of there. Exactly. Which is good. That could open up screens. That 94-yard touchdown against the Texans is going to continue to pay dividends oh, yeah. with Robert Woods because it just shows off his speed. Also, that 52-yard touchdown that he had um, on 3rd and 33 against the Giants. Oh, no doubt. And he's going to make you pay for pressure, too, because when it's man coverage, he's smart enough to know where I'm hot or who's got me versus the blitz and now it's just one-on-one all over the field right. and look even in his buffalo days he was getting open mm-hmm. it, now he's got a, a quarterback that can get him the rock too so yeah that just opens everything up for the rams offense one of robert wood's best games of his career came against the seattle seahawks last year and i think we even talked about this mm-hmm. um when the rams first signed him but he made 10 catches for 162 yards at Seattle um, last year with Buffalo, and that was when Tyrod Taylor was his quarterback. So I, right, and, and, I, and no the Legion of Boom was the Legion Taylor. of Boom. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I think that just tells you, like, hey, Robert yeah. Woods can come out here and he can really do something. He is not afraid of that environment. No. He, he welcomes it. He relishes it. Yeah. So I mean, I love it when when Seattle was at their best. Their secondary was the best in football. I yes. mean, they were absolutely intimidating. You would see guys fold up. Mm-hmm. I mean, just not want to play, except guys like him. Right. Yeah, he wants to be in that environment, so it's good to have him back going up there. Yeah, another thing that I think we should acknowledge is uh, Cooper Cup, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's now set the franchise record uh, for a rookie, rookie wide receiver, easy for me to say, mm-hmm. um, with 56 receptions in a season, and that that record have been standing since 1996, so good for him. Who's tougher to get to talk about themselves, Cooper Cup or Sean McVeigh. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, like, nobody, we didn't have much time with um, Cup in the in the locker room after yeah. the game, but I know, like, asking him about that, especially after a loss, would have just been, like, dude, right. like, come on. Right, right. He's, I, I love his demeanor. Yeah. It's, it's a veteran demeanor. It is. Um, so, look, uh, it's, he is a rookie. Um, I'm glad there's a rookie record there, but, I mean, mm-hmm. we said it from day one. This kid is no rookie. Right. Yeah, and he was pro-ready day it. one. Yeah. yeah. McVeigh has said that um, offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur has also yeah. said that, you know, he's got a veteran presence about him that oh, is God, really yeah. special. It's like taking one of those pitchers from Japan, bringing him over. The guy's like 35, <laughs> but you call him a rookie here. You know like what? Ichiro Suzuki <laughs> back in 2001 who won Rookie yeah, of the Year That's no CC rookie. <laughs> I will never forget that Major League Baseball. Ichiro Suzuki was no rookie. CC Sabathia should have won that award. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know it was that deep. Oh, it was But you know what I mean. That deep. Right. <laughs> right. I'm still an Indians fan. But he is a rookie, but he yeah. has been pro ready. I mean, look, he he's he's been ready for this environment since birth. Yeah. Yeah, it's this is no shock to him. I'm looking forward to seeing him go to Seattle and see how he's going to play. It's basically his hometown. He's from Yakima. Washington, Yakima. which is not, not very far out How of did you say it? Yakima. What I've, did I say? I've never heard anybody pronounce it like that. Even people from Yakima. What did I say? I don't know. It just sounded weird. Say it again. Yakima. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Anyway. Is that not how I said it before? I, I don't remember, to be honest. Anyway, hey, guess okay. what? It took me 45 minutes to get on the show to today. To say a word. Hey! I was, wait, I was waiting for an opportunity to get you in there. <laughs> I don't want to cut in. Oh. No. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I Like, I know that yeah. what Yakima is because I'm yeah. um, in college one of my best friend's roommates was from Yakima. Oh, no and then kidding. there was also another guy that, um, when I was on the paper, he was sports editor, I think, two um, terms after me. Yeah. He also was from Yakima, Wisconsin, Washington. From, okay, cool. I mean, look. Uh, I know you know where it is because well, you went to school up there. It, there's going to be weather up in Seattle. Yes. Uh, this time of year. Yes. So it's not going to affect him. He's used to it. Yeah. That's home for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I heard uh, Coach McVay talk about Jared Goff and throwing the wet football. It doesn't bother Jared at all. Yeah. He loves it. Well, he's got a receiver that feels the same way. Mm. This environment, which you may call rough, 
I call perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun on this weekend. This has been an interesting episode. Um, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll go full disclosure before we talk a little more about the Seahawks. Cause what are you going to, what are you going to out us about? No, what? I'm not outing you. About what anything. are you talking about? I'm hopped up on caffeine. Oh, okay. Like, because I slept for like three hours last night. I, so they don't want to hear that. I don't care. No one cares. <laughs> I know they don't really care, yeah. but I want to tell the story because it's my rant of the week. So you can, you can <laughs> sit there and, and be huffy if you okay, want. Okay, go ahead. So last night, I, you know, I'm home, like I had some popcorn um, that my aunt sent me. Shout out to my aunt for sending me some Topsy's popcorn. If you've never heard of Topsy's, Matt can tell you, this is some of the best stuff on earth, right? It's now. the best, and it, you got to get it every single year. You have to. Every single year. Don't my, encourage My you. uncle, for like the last 15 years, has sent me one on Christmas Day. Every single year. Yeah, it's it's a nice canister of popcorn. Nice. It's got your cheese. It's got your caramel. It's got your you call it cinnamon candy. What's the red? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah. yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. I can assure you. Anyway, so after eating that, I'm like lying in bed. I'm asleep. All of a sudden, at 1:30 in the morning, there's a car horn, and it goes off. Right, car alarm. Beep 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 beep. And I'm like, okay, it wakes me up because I've got my window open. It's a nice night. It's like 50-some degrees. Of course you got your window open. And I'm thinking, okay, like I can, I'm like half awake, but I can get back to sleep. So it goes off and I was like, okay. And then it goes off again. And then it goes, it, it, and then it stops and it goes off again. This happens like 10 times within mm-hmm. a 10-minute period. I'm awake. And now I just, I can't fall back asleep. It was awful. So I, I, like, I, I couldn't get back to sleep until like 6 in the morning. It was terrible. So now I don't like. It. This is when I go Belichick. No, give me a break. Any questions about the game? Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> what was funny about it was that you could hear somebody like yelling out of their window, like, yeah. "Drop the alarm! Stop it!" Which I could have easily done. It could have easily been me, but I really didn't want to get up out of my bed because, like. I don't know. And then I take it. I had already taken a melatonin, so you can't really take another one because wh- who knows what that's going to do to your body. So, yeah. Uh, you know what the French this call it? This feels like a reality show confessional right now. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Yes. The French call that a nuit blanche, a white night. And so that's always what I think of whenever I have a night where I just cannot sleep. It was a white night for me. So hopefully this episode of Between the Horns has actually been good because I don't know because I'm totally almost out of it today. Football! Anyway, (laughs) the Rams take on the Seahawks this weekend. It's a huge game. Maybe the biggest Rams game in over a decade. Um, But when you've got these games that are late in the year, you're coming up on clinching. Uh, this is something I particularly want to ask you. As I'm watching him take a swig of coffee. As I'm watching him take a big swig. I just want to feel like that, man. I want to be like that. Are you sure it's coffee? Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, feel finish like your point. What? what are you two talking about? Nothing. Anyway, what was your point? I just want to be giddy as, as Miles. I, I need a white night. No, these aren't good. I'm going to be dead by like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be Just awful. in time Maybe for practice. sooner if we don't talk football. <laughs> <laughs> When you're thinking about 1999 in situations where you're getting close to clinching, yes. um, what was the mentality of the team, and how did you get to? How did you oh. get there where you could mentally yeah. be prepared to say, "All right, we know this is a big game. Let's go execute." Well, it's crazy because it, the the distractions ramp up around this time of year, especially when you're good. There's there's more attention on you. There's more people asking questions. There's more criticism on you. I mean, stuff that really doesn't filter down into the locker room. That When you do see it, you go, wow, really? That's what they think? Hmm. And, and you're a week past that already. So that's it is what it is. But um, Coach Vermeil did a great job keeping us focused on our goals. But I do remember one thing he did was he brought a flashlight in. And, and this is key for players. Break it all the way down. He brought a flashlight in, and he shined it against the wall. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, if I hold this all the way back, I can get the entire wall. The flashlight will show the entire wall. But as he got closer... So did the focus. Hmm. And it became just a dot right next to the wall. He said, that needs to be our focus. And we got it. Yeah. It made sense. Forget everything else. Don't pull back. Stay close to what you have to do and stay focused on the job at hand, which is one game, one play at a time. Right. Uh, when you start getting into this game means a lot, this game is playoffs, yada, 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 then you put the carpet for the horse and you're doomed to fail. So stay focused. It's all just about Seattle right now. Forget what the game means. It's just about defeating your man, going after them, and getting a win up in Seattle, and then the rest will take care of itself. I think the Rams have done a really good job of keeping that attitude Mm -hmm. all year long. I mean, thinking about 
the Jacksonville game and then the Arizona game that mm-hmm. you played that, that, that they played right after it, you, you know, you had a lot of chances to be distracted yeah. on that trip. And the Rams went out and they shut out the Arizona Cardinals. Right. And that was after, th- those were the two games after Seattle defeated you at home. Mm-hmm. So those two games could have brought up a lot of different things, especially, I mean, Jacksonville, you almost might look past that and say, wow, you know, we've got this really long road trip. We're staying at this nice resort. Mm-hmm. And the Rams didn't do that at all. Yeah. And I think it's just the attitude that they have shown has been all season, one game, one play at a time. I remember being in, Carol- in Carolina in 1999. And I might be the only guy on my team that this happened to, but I doubt it. Um, when we're, we finally started to win the game and we – you know, you have that feeling on the bench that this game is ours. We have more points. They have less time. We're going to win this football mm-hmm. game. And then somebody started handing out hats. I'm like, what are they doing? And it said NFC West champions on it. And I had no idea. Huh. Zero idea. No idea that if we won and something else happened, we'd become champions that day. It wasn't talked about. It was just talked about beating the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. That was a cool moment. Like, why are they passing out hats? Oh, my God, we're champs. Huh. That's, how, that's how your mentality should and needs to be at this yeah. point. If you're the Patriots, it's a little bit different. You've been through this before. But this group, this Rams group right now, probably has that same mindset. I don't know what's going on out in the world. All I know is i got to get Russell Wilson. All I know is right now i got to get Doug Baldwin on the ground. And then they start passing out hats and you're happy. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah. So the Rams do not technically have a just winning your in clinching scenario mm-hmm. this weekend. Should they win, though, against the Seahawks, that actually would be – the case because you'd be two games up in the NFC West with just two games to go. So mm-hmm. uh, we now can talk about clinching scenarios, which yeah. I think is kind of cool. Absolutely, you know, like yeah. at a, you're at a point where you don't just have to Jim Moore a playoffs. No, no, like no, we can really talk you about playoffs. When you start talking about this and and going into these environments and tuning everything out, you know that commercial we used to have um, where the guy would walk in with headphones on. And they play that song, you can tell everybody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's yes, back when yes. we used to like Kaepernick. <laughs> right. Now we can't talk about that no, anymore. No, we can't talk about that right, anymore. Right, right. But, that's, but that is the mentality. Walk mm-hmm. through all the nonsense. The only thing that matters is this game and your opponent, and that's it. Everything right. else is just noise. So we can talk about the fact yeah. that if the Rams win, and then if Atlanta and New Orleans loses, and then also if Green Bay and Detroit lose or tie, the Rams will clinch a playoff berth. Wow. Yes. So it's wow. a complicated scenario, and it's not like it's just one thing that needs to happen for that to, to be the case. But it's something that is really tangible mm-hmm. now. If these you know, if these five things happen, the Rams will be in the playoffs in 2017. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that that's really cool um, to think about and pursue. And I, let's just hope the team plays their best game on Sunday. You're going to need it. And then everyone, everything else probably takes care of itself. Yeah, you get yeah. as McFay says, you have to be at your best mm-hmm. um, when your best is required. Um, but winning no in, white nights for football. No, there are winning, no white nights for football players or coaches. Winning in Seattle uh, <laughs> before we do get out of here. Winning in Seattle is very difficult. And last, yes. but the Rams have done it as recently as 2015, um, which was a yeah. cool game yeah. because you know you did you then were 7-8, and eight, had the opportunity to go 8-8, eight and eight, which I think we yeah. talked about a couple of weeks ago. That would have been big then. Right. right. And reaching 500 this year was like, yeah, okay, but you still have X amount of games to go. And yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when you had that game, uh, Gurley had a solid game, 83 yards rushing. He had a touchdown, had that hurdle, and then he fumbled. And then right. center Tim Barnes was like Johnny on the spot. Oh, my the God, what a recovery. Yeah. yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. So he actually had a couple in that game. Um, but... Again, the Rams, I believe, can win this game in Seattle no matter how tough it is. Like, you think about, Mm -hmm. actually, teams have gone into Seattle and played well this year. Didn't see it from the Eagles, but Atlanta played well up there and won. Washington played well up there and won. The Texans played well up there and conceivably should have won. Could have won, With Deshaun Watson as their quarterback still Mm -hmm. before that injury. So, again, this, this is a game that the Rams can win, and they should not be afraid to go up into no, that environment. No, no, no. I, look, I, I think some of the mystique has been knocked out of Seattle. And it, look, it's it's inevitable. I mean, they've had a great run, and they've done it in a physical way. Mm-hmm. So eventually that's going to take a toll on their bodies, their defense, and the way they want to win football games. But I'll tell you, the last people that know that are them mm-hmm. and those that fan base up there. They still think it's five years ago. Yeah, They're still crazy. They're still loud. It's insanely loud out there. Even the guys that 
aren't the Pro Bowlers, the fill-ins for Richard Sherman, the fill-ins for Cam Chancellor. These guys still act like they're the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Um, there are some plays you can make against them. Um, it's, it's not the same place to play as it was a couple mm-hmm. years ago, but they don't know it. They're mm-hmm. still playing like it. So you still have to go up there and knock them off. They're yeah. not going to give it to you in Seattle. Absolutely not. I, I really think this should be a fun one. I love going up yeah. to Seattle. It's one of my favorite road trips every year when we do it. Ditto. Just yeah. get some sleep. Yeah, I'm going to try to get some yeah. sleep. Take right, some melatonin. Guys. Uh, yeah. Well, not too much melatonin, right? I don't know. I don't know. really know what the recommended Have some spiked are. eggnog. Maybe I'll do that. I there you go. Yeah. Um, All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Between the Horns. Uh, kickoff on Sunday is at 105. Game is on Fox. Of course, you can, as always, you can tune in to DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Maurice Jones-Drew on the call on ESPN LA. For producer Matt, for DeMarco Farr, I'm Miles Simmons. He's a white knight. I am a white knight in a dark, dark world. <laughs> Don't let me